Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 24 of The House on the Cliff by Franklin W. Dixon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 24. The Roundup. The Hardy Boys, in the meantime, were in the thick of the struggle. Frank fought desperately with the smuggler he had assailed in the living room of the house, while Joe raced across the yard toward the trapdoor, leading to the underground caves. He found that although three of the smugglers had been captured by officers in the yard, and that as many more were fighting to escape, none of the police had as yet learned of the trapdoor down which some of the men had disappeared. With a shout to a nearby officer who had just succeeded in clapping the handcuffs on one of the smugglers, Joe made his way down the stairs. He heard the officer running over to the edge of the trap and saw the gleam of the flashlight. Some of them got out this way, Joe shouted back to the officer. The man called to one of his companions and then footsteps clattered on the stairs as Joe went on. He reached the door that opened into the chamber where his father had been a prisoner, but on entering the room he found it empty. There were evidences of hasty flight, and the door on the far side of the room was wide open. "'Secret passages, eh?' exclaimed one of the officers as he came into the room. He was a state trooper in uniform. Joe led the way out through the opposite door and down the stairs that led toward the bottom of the cliff. The trooper who had spoken illuminated the way with his flashlight, and they clattered on down the stairs until they reached the storage room. Here, everything was in confusion. The escaping smugglers had evidently endeavored to take with them what goods they could, probably the smaller packages containing drugs, for boxes and parcels were overturned and strewn about the floor. "'You seem to know this place pretty well,' said one of the troopers, as Joe led the way across to the opposite door and stepped out onto the landing. "'I've been here before, got in this way,' he answered. "'There's a water cave below this passage. They've probably made their getaway in the boat.' They hastened down the passageway and came at last to the cave. As Joe expected, the boat was gone. They got away, he said, in disappointment, as the trooper turned the flashlight onto the channel between the rocks. There was a shout from the darkness of the cove. Give us a light, they heard. Joe gave a shout of joy. It was Tony Preto's voice. Then Joe and the troopers with him heard the steady beat of a motorboat. Joe seized the flashlight and ran out along the path, leading to the entrance of the cave. The motorboat was not many yards away. Tony had been searching for the channel. Right this way, Joe called out. Head toward the light of the cave and you'll be in deep water. A little further, 
good. As the motorboat drew nearer, he saw that it was filled with men, and that a rowboat was being towed behind. We got him, cried Tony exultantly. They were just getting out of the cove in the boat when we came up. Who is with you? asked Joe. Police. The rest of them went up to the shore road in a car. We've got the whole gang, then. They raided the house and got the rest of the smugglers. We thought those fellows had made a getaway. No chance, although it was mighty close. They pretty nearly slipped out of the cove right under our noses. The boat came to a stop beside the natural wharf of rock. One or two of the officers, revolvers in hand, clambered out. Three of the smugglers had been captured while trying to escape from the cove in the rowboat. If they'd got out, we would never have caught them, said Joe. They were heading out toward a ship. A ship, exclaimed one of the officers, a burly man in plain clothes. He stepped forward. Did they see anything about a ship? A man named Lee Chang has a ship laying in wait outside the bay, said Joe. I heard them talking about it. Good, exclaimed the burly man. Now we'll capture the whole outfit. He turned to Tony. I suppose your boat is good for another little run? I'll say it is, sir. I want as many officers as we can spare, said the burly man. We'll go out and find that ship. Lee Chang, did you say? He added, turning to Joe. That was his name. I know his ship. We've been trying to catch that villain for years. Darst, go on up and see how the rest of the men made out at the house on the cliff, and take as many officers as they can spare. There's a passage up through the rocks, I take it. Regular staircase all the way, sir, remarked Darst, one of the raiding officers. Good, don't lose any time. The three smugglers were taken out of the boat and handcuffed, then escorted up the stairs while the burly man, who was the chief of a squad of federal agents, undertaking a drive against the smugglers on that part of the coast, remained with the motorboat. Within a short time, Darst returned with three more officers. He reported that a clean sweep had been made at the house. They have them all handcuffed and sitting in the kitchen, he said. Mr. Hardy got Snackley. Snackley, exclaimed the federal man. Is it his gang? Yes, sir. He got Snackley in the cellar. One of his sons tackled Redhead Blount, one of Snackley's sidekicks, and held him down until the police came in. When we brought our three in, that finished the roundup. It does, so far. We're going out and grab Lee Chang from that ship, and that'll clean everything up. The officers got into the motorboat, and Joe clambered in beside Tony Preto, who was at the wheel. The craft backed out of the channel into the deeper water of the cove, then sped out into Barmet Bay. Once we get out of the bay, we should see our lights, said the federal officer. Lee Chang probably has his ship anchored just off the coast. This proved to be the case. The lights of the vessel were soon descried, and the motorboat sped toward it through the night. When the boat drew alongside, the federal man roared out, Ahoy there! A voice answered in Chinese. Speak English, roared the officer. Throw over a ladder, or we'll open fire on you. Who there? The police. Jabbering voices and running footsteps suddenly created a commotion. One of the troopers fired his revolver into the air, and very promptly a ladder was lowered over the side of the vessel. That's better, said the federal man, as he clambered up over the rail, revolver in hand. I'll just talk to your skipper for a minute. The capture of Lee Chang was without incident. When he was told that Snackley and the gang were captured, 
the chinaman who was a small wizened little fellow with a villainous countenance blandly submitted to arrest and consented to be taken ashore there were only two or three members of the crew aboard the others having shore leave so two of the federal men were left in charge of the ship until relief could be sent from bayport and the motorboat made its way back to the cove the round-up was complete snackley's smuggling gang had been completely broken up end of chapter twenty four